This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. This week I'm joined by Bishop Peter Smith, and as we come into this beautiful season of fall, it's back to school, it's Friday night football, but really it's an opportunity for us to focus on our education and learning, and just not K through 12, but no matter where we are in our age, we're learning, and we're learning and forming ourselves in our faith. So I wanted uh, Bishop Smith to talk a little bit about the role of our Catholic faith in education, both in the home and in the classroom and outside of the classroom, because I think every day we can be learning. So thanks for joining us today on The Voice of the Shepherd. I thought as we start this topic of education and learning, going back to your own experience, growing up at home, you've got, what, six siblings in the household. It's a busy household. But where was the role of Catholic education, starting off with your parents and then extending into the schools and in the parish life? It's great to be with you, Dina Marie, and all those folks who are listening and live streaming and uh, in any other way joining us on this broadcast of The Voice of the Shepherd. Catholic education, my own. Uh, I never went to Catholic schools. So I went through public schools, grade schools, and high schools back in South Africa. But the schools there were more like the English model. So in the my public high school, which was five years, not four, I had to take three years of Latin. So that just gives it's the old sort of more traditional English style. As regards my parents, my mother uh, was not raised Catholic. She became Catholic just before she met my father, and my father went through Catholic schools all of his life. So he went through the Marist Brothers school system uh, in a, for, grade, for what we would call primary school and high school. Here it's grade school, secondary school. So he was educated that way, and with us, we went to the, the public schools. Uh, two of my brothers did go to a former Catholic high school, St. Charles College, which was a Marist Brothers school that had been taken over by a lay board and was run that way. In fact, at my home city, it's still there. And they they keep, you don't have the presence of the, the, the Marist Brothers there teaching, but the sort of Catholic identity is still there. So two, my, my two youngest brothers went there. So I have the oldest of six. I have three younger brothers and two younger sisters. And education was always a great value in our house. My mother would always tell us, no education is ever wasted. And I saw that in my own life. You know, when I changed direction, I was, went through business school and law school, and then I ended up becoming a Catholic priest. So you think, okay, <laughs> where's that all going? But I have to tell you, uh, both the business school and law school training has been immensely helpful for me as a Catholic priest and now as a bishop. 
um, just in, in dealing with the things that we have there. If nothing else, training you to think that way because it's not just the knowledge that you learn. It's training how to think and understand and approach things from the perspective of business or law or and now from the mind of the church. I have, I have both the, uh, theological uh, degrees and also a canon law degree. So it, it really helps focus you that way and teaches you how to think properly. Right. And you mentioned your dad having that background in Catholic education, and it sounds like your mom very involved. What were some of the things in terms of just how the parents were involved with you and your siblings growing up, uh, assisting you in, in school, but just to really kind of continue to emphasize the importance of that thinking, learning, discussing, talking about ideas? Sure. Um, so my parents' approach was, in the final analysis, they didn't care so much about the grades we got. The real question was, did you do your best? And if the answer is yes or close to it, that was fine. So there wasn't any pressure. You all have to get A's. It's do you, did you do your best? And so we were all encouraged in that sense. And then also my parents would also encourage us, find what you like, find what you enjoy, find what you love, and then go there. So do those kinds of things for life. And it's interesting that all six of us have gone in different directions uh, since we came out of high school and went to university and then have had careers in life. None of us is doing the same thing. So in our home, raised, being raised, my parents are very intentional. You know, we say the parents are the, the prime educators or the first educators of their children. And my parents did a pretty good job doing that as we were being raised. My mother was raised, um, she, her, her father was Presbyterian and her mother was Anglican. But So she was raised with Bible stories and all of these kinds of things. So as kids, I, I remember, you know, she, she would come and read us Bible stories at night and then saint stories. So we had quite an education um, just as little kids and then getting older of these this kind of thing in our lives. She taught uh, uh, catechism classes at the local parish. So prayer was very much part of our lives and sort of education and virtue and good and living a good Catholic life. A quick example is uh, my parents worked hard to make sure we did as many meals together as possible. Uh, so that was one thing. And then our evening meal, at the end, we'd all, every meal we would start with grace. And then at the end of each meal, an evening meal, We'd have this time where people could share whatever they were blessed with during the day. And then we'd do a little prayer time, which would begin with my mother reading a piece of scripture, then a reflection on it, and then we each would, if we wanted to say anything, we could. And then my father would lead a decade of the rosary. So he would start with the first Hail Mary, then each kid would lead one all the way around to the end, and my mother would conclude it. And then there were some other prayers that we prayed along with that, including one to the Sacred Heart of Jesus because my father had a deep devotion to the Sacred Heart and some other concluding prayers as well. So it was very much part of our life. Uh, my, we, my parents always went took us to Mass on Sundays. My dad, because of his devotion to the Sacred Heart, would go to confession once a month. And as we got older, he would take us. You know, so those things were all there in our lives growing up. So we had that very sort of formative experience uh, growing up in a, how, in a home and a faith-filled home and a way of approaching that faith and living it out. 
Right. Bishop Smith with us today on The Voice of the Shepherd as we are back to school and reminding ourselves, as your family said, we're always, there's nothing that we lose in terms of the education, and we are always learning whether we are or not in a formal particular class. Life is certainly a way of learning. You talked about the virtues and Bible stories. I mean, even studying about the saints, you know, how are are some of those ways in which parents can introduce how to live a good life, a moral life, you know, kindness, forgiveness, grudges, you know, all of those things, you know, that start really at the playground where we're disagreeing, you know, you have a very simple things, but they can become more complex as we get into our teenage years. That introduction of just values and what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, it, it's those things, uh, we sort of learn how to live them. And then the, the challenge is, okay, now's the time to put it into practice. But if you've created an environment in the home where it's okay for for the children to talk about these things, then you can help give them direction. Uh, It's not just a case of taking those virtues and applying them. As, As you get older, as we all get older, things get more complex in life. But then also helping one another sort through what's going on and then how we should respond in those moments and in those situations. Because... Some things are very simple. We know right and wrong, this is good, that's bad. But there are other things that become much more complicated and there's other factors. And you have to figure out, okay, how do I respond at this moment in this situation? You know, because we could just apply something like a, a formulaic approach and we may end up doing more harm than good in those moments and in those situations. So. But you're right. We we should be always learning as we go through life. If we aren't, we're in big, big trouble. You know, when I hear people say, "I wish I could be a teenager again," not me. <laughs> I uh, the only re- the only way, if it were if it were possible, I would go back to being a teenager again, as if I could take all the knowledge and experience that I have learned since my teenage years through to now back with me. I would live my teenage years very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned having both a business background and a law background. I mean, I'm sure you can think, look back and go, oh, I see how God was training me to be not only a priest, but a bishop. But you had that training and used it in the secular world for quite a while. But sometimes that's what happens in our lives as we go into a particular profession or a particular trade. But God is always using those skills and those um, layers of education for his glory. Yeah, everyone out of of us brings our own experience from the past into our present as we go through life. And so for us as priests uh, or bishops, going into what we're doing and going through what we're doing, we bring our past experience with that. And there's, there's no substitute for life experience. I always remind these guys who enter the seminary when they're older, like I did, that there's no substitute for life experience. Uh, you have something that somebody coming right out of high school doesn't have. And that comes with time and experience. You know, so uh, I saw this meme the other day. It's wonderful. It says, the guy says, it's how do you make good decisions? Well, judgments. Okay, well, how do you make good judgments? Bad decisions. <laughs> Just summarizes our life experience. You know what, we, we, we learn from the past and apply it going forward and hopefully things are better. So for us, it just we bring that experience in. Some is good and some is not good. 
Some as, as we can apply and bring it with us, and it's great. Others, other parts of it are baggage that we have to deal with. Every one of us accumulates that through life to a lesser or great, greater degree. But you bring that experience in to what you're doing now, and sometimes it can be incredibly helpful. You know, if, no, if for no other reason, if you're, say, 30 when you or 35 when you enter the priesthood or religious life after having lived in the world, you have a very different appreciation of how people around you live. You've had to deal with difficulties, setbacks, challenges in life, and you approach them a little differently. It's like we've been through the storm before, these kinds of storms before. It doesn't rattle you. It's quite the same way. So life experience is very, very helpful in that sense. Um, as I said, the flip side of that is we've made bad decisions along the way, yeah. and there may be consequences from those that we have to live with. So it's, it's uh, balanced out on, on these, in these different issues and these different situations. But life, you, we, for me at least, I love learning. I love reading. I love studying. I love growing in insight uh, because as a priest, for example, if you're preaching to your people and you've just stopped learning and stopped growing, after about three, four, five years, you have nothing new to give. And people pick it up in a heartbeat, you know. So it, it's one of those things uh, that you have to keep learning and have to keep growing. And as human beings, naturally through life, most of us do that to a lesser or greater degree. So That's right. You mentioned, Bishop Smith, earlier that you've had the Marist brothers in the past be involved in education. We can go back and—, and go back in history and look at the different religious orders, communities that were really part of education, uh, LaSalle, you think about all the different communities. You know, what is that role? You've got your Catholic parish, and then the extension are all the different ministries that really touch the various parts of that Catholic community and the community that lives within the boundaries of a Catholic church. Where is that placement of, of school and formation and education? How is that part of the mission of a Catholic church? Well, education is very much part of the mission of the church. And all these different groups that are doing different forms of education are a testament to the, the wonderful gifts of, that the Holy Spirit gives us in this great diversity. So in terms of Catholic education, you have parishes that have schools. And some of those parishes have religious in them. Some have, most have these days have lay people in them running. You have religious communities and that have as part of their mission education. So there's, there's a lot of women religious communities that focus on education. And so over the years, they've built up these school systems and have worked in them. So you have religious communities doing them, doing that. You know, right now here in, in Portland, you have the University of Portland. So that's the Holy Cross. At Notre Dame, you know, the university is also theirs. So there's a prime uh, charism of education that, that comes with that. We have other women's religious communities, as I said, numerous of them, that, that are formed uh, with a goal of educating people. And sometimes it's just a general goal, and sometimes it's very specific. Like, we exist to edu educate the poor. You know, we're not just doing general education. We're going to educate the poor. Or... Perhaps it's education in the sense like the uh, uh, Salesians of Don Bosco where we want to train poor people in practical skills. So you go to where they are and what they have is a chapel, 
sports fields and then classrooms. And in the classrooms, they're giving remedial style education, but they're also training people in things like basic bookkeeping, um, basic uh, electrical stuff, um, being seamstresses and so on, uh, tailors, that kind of thing. So you train people not just with the uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, but you're also training them with skills in life to improve their lives. So there's plenty of different ministries uh, that do this, religious orders that do that, and then more recently, movements in the church. So you get these lay movements in the church that have education as part of their mission, and they want to to help educate people that way. So it's a wonderful blessing, but as part of, of how we grow as human beings, and the church recognizes this, that education is key uh, to our lives of faith, but also to our human flourishing. I mean, there's nothing that will change a person's potential like education if the person seizes on it. And the Catholic Church in the United States is a great example of this. Before World War II, Catholics in the United States were an underclass and were discriminated against. You, some of us have seen the signs, you know, Work here, uh, hire, now hiring, Catholics don't apply, you know, or no parking for Irish or something like that. So there was that sort of prejudice, Catholics were the blue-collar working-class folks. Then World War II came along, and Catholics were heavily overrepresented in the armed forces because the way our Catholic formation is, is we are, if it works right, we have a sense of duty for the common good. So these men came back from the war, and they got the GI Bill. And in family after family affected by this, you can go and have a look. They'll tell you, oh, you know, my my grandfather or my father, he was the first one in our family who went to college. So these men got college degrees, and they used those college degrees to move out from the, the, the lower class or working class up into the middle class, and then some into sort of upper class if, to look at it that way. And so then you had uh, you know, a family with five kids living in th- a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house in the inner city. Now they can move to the suburbs. So that's where you see education had this huge ripple effect in all these people's lives. Now they can do something because they have this education, which is part of the reason why we have, an inner, and particularly in the Midwest and East, cities with all these small little inner city parishes, so to speak, and then we have these suburban parishes, which are huge, and they're sort of like one for each uh, suburb because they're so big and there's so many people there. And that's, that's one of the, 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 the consequences of this. But you see, there's an example of how education provides people the means, the tools with which to better their life. And education for us in the area of faith helps us to grow in our understanding of faith. And it's not just memorizing all the things of the Catholic Church, but education in the sense of helping us to grow as our parents did. We help, they helped us to grow and mature as people, and the church wants to help us grow and mature as spiritual people. Right now, as we're entering the fall season, there are a lot of programs, whether they're, we call them adult faith formation, maybe it's a Bible study, it's a book club. I mean, there's just endless ways that we can come together within our parish community and either learn more about sacred scripture, come in community and discuss. But talk a little bit, Bishop Smith, about just how we can utilize these types of 
of, of gatherings, learning, approach to learning, to not only grow in our faith, but I think as a community of people, and then to serve what's needed in our communities. There are a lot of things available, either in parishes or if not in parishes, but beyond parishes on a more sort of diocesan-wide level, and beyond that, elsewhere on a national level, and the fact that the internet is now there, this is one of the blessings of the internet, is that we can all use that to access these kinds of opportunities. Now, one of the things that uh, most pastors will tell you is that people will say, we really want to know more about our faith and so on, and then you have these opportunities and not many people come, which is a little, little disappointing to us. But one of the things that's happened in recent times is the use of uh, the internet, um, social media, and so on. So a couple of examples. Father Mike Schmitz did mm-hmm. Through the Bible in a Year. It was wildly successful, absolutely wildly successful. I know one book distributor told me that the Bible that he used, the particular version, they had huge stocks of them. In one month, everyone was gone. <laughs> they had to reprint these things. And I can also know stories of, of a lot of the, more than just a few, quite a few of the people that were listening to that every day were Protestants, mm-hmm. not just Catholics. So it's available to others. And this year, Father Mike is going through, uh, through the catechism of the Catholic Church in a year. I was just talking to a couple last night. They're not Catholic, but the wife is going through the Catechism of the Catholic Church and loving it because of the way it crystallizes our basic Christian faith. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is like 700 pages long, and that doesn't contain everything about our Catholic faith. (laughs) But it's just there's an opportunity that we have. And then there are other opportunities where the, the way it's set up is we access it according to our availability. You know, it's like sitting on the airlines and you get those personal entertainment systems and you can have three people in a, in a row all watching the same thing. One started half an hour ago, one started 15 minutes ago, and you're just starting. And it's all being broadcast to you, unbroken in each way. So the advantage of that, plus podcasts and things like this, they give you the opportunity to participate as your schedule allows. Uh, Father Bill Holtzinger, one of our techie priests, in fact, probably our first techie priest. Hi, Bill, you did a great job. Uh, you, Father Bill still is a total and complete Mac-head. Um, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing, but he's upfront about it. But Father Bill in the past was telling me he, had, he would put his sermons on his website, and he'd have about 5,000, 6,000 hits in a year. But he also put them on a podcast that he sent out, and he would get 200, 250,000 people listening to these things. And he was telling me about one person who contacted him and just said, thank you. Every time I go to the gym, I just plug it in and listen to your homily. Now, this is somebody who doesn't go to church and so on. But there are people out there. These are opportunities that we have. So, so much stuff now has gone online and gone on demand. You buy a subscription or you you give an access to it, and now you can access these things, and you can benefit from this teaching at a time that you are able to do so. It's not if you you have to be at this venue at such and such a time, and if you don't, you miss it. So there's there's a growing sense of of 
opportunity for us and riches and resources available to us in this way, and plenty of Catholic and other entities that are doing it. So the, the real question is, is that for those who are motivated to learn more, to grow more, to grow in understanding, the opportunities are there. But we have to be active in doing it. And we might say, well, you know, it takes some work. But the other side of that is going back to Jesus' call to the disciples and to us. We have the freedom. The Lord gives us the freedom from the beginning of creation. And so it's up to us uh, to uh, take a step forward. And for those who are considering doing it, I would just say baby steps, please. Mm-hmm. You know, because so often it's like Lent or everything else. I'm going to do all these things. And you, it's like you, you're trying to climb Mount Hood uh, one shot without doing training climbs or, so, or trying to run a marathon or half marathon without doing the training runs. You start small and you slowly build up. Right, right. It, it is so important. That's how do we get a habit? We've got to go slow and build those habits over time. You know, as we come to a close, you've talked about so much technology, but I just want to have us maybe end on, I've heard it referred to the classroom of science, of silence. I think Matthew Kelly talks about this, that we have so much technology, we have so many opportunities, but there's also this opportunity to be quiet, to be still, to be listening uh, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, we uh, tap into all these channels to us, but to be able to listen, there has to be quiet so that you can listen and hear, and particularly for the Lord when the Lord speaks to us in this still, small voice. So that's also a discipline that comes with this. It's, it's not the volume of information that really makes the difference. It's the quality and depth of what we hear and how it touches and changes our lives. You know, we all know people who are highly qualified in different subjects and can spout off about all these things. But then, you know, you you look at somebody, you can have somebody who's a scripture scholar, and pretty quickly you will tell whether this person has faith or doesn't. And that's a key moment is getting to that point where we are able to listen to the Lord. We do have that built-in period of silence. And I think people really long for that in our crazy world because you see the popularity of these sort of almost silent masses late at night with only candles burning. Yeah. Well, let's continue to enter into the classroom of silence and into community life as we continue to learn and grow in our faith. Bishop Smith, as always, great to have you with us here on The Voice of the Shepherd. Would you please help us close with your blessing and prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, as we continue our journey of life and faith, we ask you to bless us. Lord, we ask you to give us the opportunities for growing in faith and that desire to do so. And we ask you to bless us all now in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. And thank you all for joining us today on The Voice of the Shepherd. We invite you to join us again next week. For Bishop Peter Smith, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. 
please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.